Welcome to Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do. That we do. And this week we are celebrating Mother's Day. That we are. That we are. (laughs) And we have got a special guest with us today. She's been on with us several times before on our Oscars episodes, infamously, as well as other Mother's Day episodes. Guys, you know her. You love her. It's Jen Sparks, my very own mother. Woo! Ma, how you feeling being back here on Shoot the Flick? I love it. I'm so excited. So this is uh, the Mother's Day episode, and I, I came to you a while ago with some suggestions, some ideas for a Mother's Day episode. And, you know, very maternally type movies, some of which uh, I grew up with watching with you as a kid. And I was like, oh, this will be a nice, wholesome Mother's Day episode. And you were like, hmm, I don't know if I like any of those ideas. And I'm like, well, you, you come up with whatever you want and we'll discuss. And she's like, well, what about Jaws? <laughs> Released in 1975. And I was like... Okay, <laughs> why not? It's the first blockbuster, the start of the trend. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So, Mother, why don't you tell us, the people, why you chose to review Jaws for Mother's Day? <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies. I love it. And I remember my childhood when I watched it because I saw it in the theaters at age 10. And I came out of the theater in the dark. It was scary. I can imagine, yes. There's a lot of blood and guts and scary shocks in this movie. (laughs) I actually have a very similar story about Jaws uh, because I saw Jaws about from the ages of 8 to 10. I don't remember exactly when I saw it. I just remember I was over my grandmother's house and she's like, oh, hey, the neighbors have kids. Let's go over to the neighbor's house and play. And then, of course, the neighbors had an older brother who was like, hey, you want to watch Jaws? <laughs> and yeah, I was scared of uh, the water for about two months. Oh, boy. Well, uh, I actually didn't watch this movie until probably I was like a teenager. It's one of those situations for me where I was like, well, I know what happens. The shark, he goes chomp, chomp and eats people and da da Da, 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 da. You know, you know the you know the drill. So I hadn't watched it for a long time. I had more fun with it this time watching it than the first time I watched it, like alone, probably on like Netflix or something. Uh, because we watched it as a little trio, myself, my mom, and Scott, and we were kind of our own little like mystery science theater three thousand talking to the screen the whole time. And <laughs> I got fun. dinner too. Oh uh, yes, Scott peated up some leftovers for my mom, and uh, you know she made him feel good like a little chef extraordinaire he's like oh such good food scott <laughs> i was like oh very it was, cute it was very good but jaws of course is a very iconic film it was entered into the national film registry in 2001 as scott said it was the first ever blockbuster from what i understand it was originally going to be released in christmas of 1974 but because spielberg went like way over the shooting schedule they had to push it back to the summer Uh, which at that time was like the movie dump period. Like, you know how January, February used to be, oh, let's just dump all the shitty movies in January, February. That's what the summer was 
during like the 70s and then it blew up obviously no pun intended <laughs> and um yeah it became the first ever blockbuster yeah I, I do remember a bunch of those stories about spielberg of course everyone knows about him going over budget because the robot didn't work half the time what robot Bruce is real, damn it. He's got four minutes of screen time and he eats up every second. But of course, you know, because I'm the Oscar nerd, I have to mention this film was nominated for four Oscars and won three of them. It won for score, of course, John Williams. No shit. We'll obviously talk about that. It also won for editing and sound, but uh, it lost Best Picture to Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, wow. Another class. Great fucking movie. Yeah. Yeah, that would only make sense. They're two very different movies. You know, Cuckoo's Nest is very much like a contained story inside this hospital. This is like a more, as it said, it is a blockbuster. It is more theatrical. Well, Cuckoo's Nest is definitely more Oscar-y. Like, if, if we just put those two movies in today's perspective, it's essentially like how it was this year almost with Everything Everywhere versus, like, Avatar yeah. 2, Electric Boogaloo. Like, obviously the more Oscar-y film's going to win. We know how you feel about everything everywhere, Ma. Don't sit over there grumbling. We know. You didn't like the movie. <laughs> Even though that's a very maternal-ass movie, but you didn't like that one. No, you'd rather watch... I'm trying to think of... Maverick. You'd rather watch Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> so this film, of course, was directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, we've talked about some other films of his, namely the Indiana Jones series. But we most recently talked about him, I guess, during Oscars when... He did Fablemans, which was just okay. <laughs> um, but this is his first major movie. Uh, he only had one theatrical film before this, but I don't, I don't even remember what it was called. So th this is basically his first big movie. <laughs> Jaws was also written by Peter Benchley, who wrote the novel. And yes, people out there who know me, of course I read the novel. There are some differences we'll discuss, some of which I think might surprise some people in this room. Yeah, yeah, girl. Me? Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll read the book. Ooh. And of course, before we get into the nitty gritty, we got to mention John Williams, the iconic John Williams, who did scores for several Spielberg movies as well as other iconic films. We all know who fucking John Williams is. He's won five Oscars, three of which have been for Spielberg films, Jaws, E.T., and Schindler's List. So yeah, he, he's definitely a, a Spielberg staple. He also won a Golden Globe and a Grammy for the Jaws score. And he says that this movie jump-started his career, which makes sense because after this movie was Star Wars in 77. So yeah, I would say that makes sense. Question for the room. Uh, what do you think is more iconic, the movie or the theme? The theme. The theme, I would agree, yeah. Because even if you've never seen the movie, you know what the theme song is. Everybody yeah. knows, right. So on that note, are we ready to get into the nitty and the gritty? Sure are. Indeed, indeed. Scotty, start us off. Well, of course, we start out with the theme. must start with John Williams and the iconic music of Jaws. Indeed, we start off with the score and someone's like swimming in the water and then it pans up to <gasps> hippies, not a shark, hippies, because that's the scariest part of the movie. We got a bunch of teens sitting around a fire smoking doobies. Oh boy. 
Those were the days when you could smoke everywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. At one point, they're in the, hospital, in the hospital. And my mom was like, oh, the good old days where you could smoke in a hospital. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Because let's face it. That's where you really need to smoke because that's when you're nervous. When well, you're yeah, you're hospital. stressed out. <laughs> I, I asked her, I'm like, so were you like smoking when you were like in the delivery room? Like, get this fucking kid out of me. <laughs> Oh, God. She didn't say no. <laughs> yes, I did. I didn't smoke till I was in my 30s. <laughs> no, it, was, it was after we were born. We made her turn to tobacco <laughs> as, as an escape. No, you just made me turn to alcohol. Oh, <laughs> thanks. thanks. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but yes, we have hippies. And of course, two of the hippies must run off and go skinny dipping. But uh, one uh, got a little too high beforehand and passed out on the beach. While the other one swims out into the distance and immediately we get the iconic shot of underneath the water and Jaws grabs her and then starts writhing around with her till eventually she is eaten. It's basically the iconic poster of the movie is this like opening kill. So mom, take us back in time to 1975. You as a undisclosed age child <laughs> uh, sitting in the theater watching that moment where the the shark kills the first victim. What, what were you feeling in the moment? Uh, I knew it was coming. I knew how the movie started, that it was going to eat the girl in the beginning of the movie. So I wasn't, like, shocked. You Did know? you know, like, someone told you that was going to happen? Or did yes. you just figure, oh, no, okay. like, saw a coming attraction. Oh, stuff, okay, they like, spoiled you know, it in the trailer. Yes. Even in the 70s, trailers were trash. <laughs> but it was a great scene where he's, like, thrashing her around. And, you know, she goes riding along with him, actually. Yeah, know? it's like she's riding a fucking bucking bronco. Like, those, like, things in bars. <laughs> in, but underwater. No, <laughs> so I have to give this movie credit. You still don't see much. I feel like a lot more is left to the imagination than like if this movie had come out in 2009. Yeah, I think you see, uh, well, when we get to the end of the movie, you see more. <laughs> yeah, in this opening kill, you don't really see any blood, which is why, because I had forgotten like how much blood was in this movie, I think, because then I was like, oh, that's not really, but it was dark out, so maybe you just didn't see much. But then when you get to other kills in the movie, you're like, oh, God. So we cut to our main character, Chief Brody. Chief Martin Brody, played by Roy Schneider who uh, he's been in a lot of things. He's more of a character actor, I think, in most things. He was in Jaws 2, I know that. There are three sequels to this fucking movie. Guys, there was Jaws 2, Jaws 3D, and Jaws the Revenge. Just just in case anyone was looking forward to some off-brand Jaws shark murders, there's plenty to have. Not to mention a slew of copycats afterwards from The Meg. Any shark movie on... It's the sci-fi channel. Sharknado! (laughs) Ma, have you seen the sequels? I have. I've seen them all. Oh my God, I know that. I did not know that. I've seen them all. None of them are any good. I would say the second one. Of course not. None of them were directed by Steven Spielberg. (laughs) I would say the second one was the second best. And then they start getting carried away. Well, the third one, of course, had 3D involved because we had to have a shark break through the screen glass. Yeah, it's the 80s version of 3D that wasn't really 3D and looked cheap as fuck. But it had a message about SeaWorld being bad. <laughs> um, so, yes, we meet our, our chief of police. He has his nice family here. He's got his two sons, his wife, you know, a nice little family. But he gets a call. There's a body at the beach. Well, not a whole body. <laughs> and he gets there and, yeah, it's basically an arm 
a little bit of a head. I love the part where like the arm is sticking out of the sand and just like hermit crabs are like crawling all over it. Yuck. Yucky. So the chief decides, you know what? We need to close the beach. We need to go make signs to close the beach because we do not have signs. Yeah, I made a note of that. The town is so small that they don't even have, like, they have to make their own beach clothes signs. He, like, goes to the hardware store, picks a placard and paint and shit. But I also want to mention, because it's a bigger deal in the book, but there's a distinct difference between the Brody family and the people that live on Amity Island. Uh, Which, by the way, it was filmed in Martha's Vineyard. It's supposed to be somewhere in New England. But they briefly considered before that shooting it in Long Island. Seeing as how we're from Long Island, I thought that was a fun fact. But in the book, they make a big stink about Brody not being an Islander. And they mention it in like one line, like a real throwaway line, because I think Brody's wife, Ellen, she's talking to like one of her little girlfriends. And she's like, when do I get to be an Islander? And the lady's like, if you're not born here, you're not an Islander. That's it. And I'm like, oh, okay. But it gets kind of contentious in the book, especially when Brody tries to close the beach. The townspeople are so pissed because they rely on a lot of tourist cash to get their income. So at one point in the book, they're so pissed that Brody's even talking about closing the beach that a couple of townspeople just like fucking mutilate his cat and like leave it on his doorstep. Like, that's what's gonna happen if you close the fucking beach. Oh, yeah, hey, it's it's pretty brutal. Serious. Yeah, because he's trying to do the right thing. He really is. Of course. And, he doesn't want anybody else to get eaten. But like, no, we have to keep the beach open because we meet our mayor, who is arguably the biggest sleazeball in this entire movie. Yeah, our mayor Vaughn is played by Murray Hamilton, who was also in Jaws too, but he's also Mr. Robinson in The Graduate. <laughs> <laughs> which yeah it fits in with sleazeball but there's also a difference with that in the book because throughout this whole movie you're like what the fuck is wrong with this guy he wants to keep the beach open because after this teenage girl gets killed obviously there's more kills throughout the movie and he's like i want to keep the beach open people have to make money in the beach and it's like <laughs> what are you talking about dude but then in the book they have a couple of weird subplots in the book which we'll get to but one of them is that the mafia has control over parts of Amity Isle so the mafia is essentially pressuring Vaughn to keep the beach open and that's why he's like no we have to keep it open Brody but yeah it doesn't because in the movie it really just he comes off like a fucking idiot well if he closes (laughs) the beach he will not get reelected well yeah because if they don't have a summer of money right but I would argue if several children get shark murdered under your watch when you know that there's a shark out there you also won't get reelected. Um, you might get put in he prison didn't get blamed <laughs> he didn't get blamed no brody got blamed he made the call and he didn't get blamed for it so he'll still get reelected. he's in jaws too right yes he is he go. is still the mayor in jaws too we love politicians we love them so much i do want to bring up this police force is really tiny like <laughs> it is brody another cop and like an old lady secretary. <laughs> <laughs> that is it. The karate kids. <laughs> they're, they're chopping up the fence. You make it seem like she's actually a police officer doing something. She's just in the office being generally irritating. But yeah, no, I mean, it's a small island. They have very like rinky dink, you know, good old boys on the force. He's got like a Barney Fife deputy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So after Brody has decided he's going to close the beach, the mayor basically strong arms him to reconsider. 
the coroner's like, oh, that girl didn't die from a shark attack. It was a boating accident, sir. (laughs) Sir. (laughs) A boat doesn't, like, have teeth and shit. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, the beaches stay open, of course. Brody gets to sit there watching everybody go into the beach and freak out every little movement. He starts going, okay, that wasn't the shark. We're fine. We're okay. Until little Alex Kittner gets attacked by a shark and there's blood in the water, kids. And there's this iconic ass zoom in on Roy Schneider just in a complete state of fear. And it's an iconic shot. But we also didn't mention the fact that like, okay, this man moved to a small beach town when he's afraid of water. That's in the book too. I'm almost positive. And I'm like, why would you do that? (laughs) That don't make no sense. Anybody got an answer for me on that? No. <laughs> oh no! I don't, no th- I don't think I would move to a beach town. No. I don't like water too. You much. know what's funny? Because we, when we were watching the movie last night, you mentioned that like, oh, I never went in the water after. I was so scared to go in the water and go to the beach. And I'm like, oh, is that why we never went really to the beach very much as kids? Like you I never liked, liked the beach. The beach. I'm like, is that why? She's like, yeah. I'm like, you always said the beach was full of germs. And that's I why we never you, went. I took you to man-made lakes. Right. So that's not the same thing. <laughs> All right. Right away, complaints. It's Mother's Day. Can we go without complaints? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So Alex Kinder gets eaten. We get the raft flowing onto the uh, the beach, bloody, you know. We were laughing because there's one parent who runs into the water picks up their child, stops running back to the beach. And just screams. <laughs> just stands there screaming, like, scream on shore. <laughs> like you, can, you can keep moving and screaming. And his kids are in the water. But I did want to mention the woman that plays Alex Kittner's mom, Lee Fierro. She was really good. She was, like, heartbreaking. <laughs> Not just in this scene, but later on, because... Moving on in the story, she kind of puts a hit out on the shark. <laughs> Essentially, she's like, okay, whoever can kill this shark will get money. Go out there and get the shark that killed my boy. And um, when they think they found the shark, she comes on to the dock with like all black and just like has a really uh, heart-wrenching speech to Chief Brody after she slaps him in the face. I just found out that a girl got killed here last week. And you knew it. You knew there was a shark out there. (laughs) You knew it was dangerous. But you let people go swimming anyway. But even that, that was was terrible. Because, like, Brody's getting all the shit. And then the mayor's just standing there, like, a little pussy next to to him. He's like, well, you know, shit happens. And it's like, this is your fault, you asshole. (laughs) We do get the when the hit is put out on the shark, it is for $3,000. But we get to the scene where they're talking about going out to kill this shark. Of course, the mayor's like, oh, the beach will only be closed for 24 hours. Don't worry. It's fine. July 4th will still happen. Our real problem is vandalism. Vandalism is the real problem here. Yeah, because they're drawing shark fins on the posters <laughs> <laughs> it's vandalism and those darn karate kids <laughs> yeah. um but we quickly meet quint who is quite a character mom's favorite character yes i do believe he is my favorite character i mean imagine the movie without him 
It wouldn't I mean, be the same. It wouldn't be the same, certainly. There would certainly be more characters that you could understand what they're saying. Oh, um, you can understand what he's I saying. I can understand what he was saying half the time. But he does have the iconic chalkboard screech moment in the middle of like, the town meeting. He's like, I'll catch the shock for you. These Spanish that was ladies. Good. That's all he does. He just sings about Spanish ladies, and he's drunk as fuck. Uh, uh, Robert Shaw plays Quint, who is a, I guess, somewhat notorious shark hunter. I guess is at least that's what he calls himself. I think just reportedly on the set, he was he was drunk a lot <laughs> to the point where they had to like give him a break and then reshoot scenes the next day because he was too drunk <laughs> so that's fun he and got he, into his part sure sure yeah that's what it was okay <laughs> but yes quint has his iconic scene where he scratches the chalkboard and he goes you know who i am you know what i do to make my money you know why i'm here i'm like no, we don't. If we've never watched this movie, we have no idea who you are. <laughs> well, he's not talking to the moviegoers. He's talking to the people in the room. Sir, we don't we don't know you. We don't <laughs> co-sign your behavior. <laughs> He'll catch it for three and kill it for ten. Exactly. But we're not going to hire Quint here. We're not going to do that. Well, to be fair, I, I would say he's a little unreliable. I would say he's a little bit of a loose cannon, so to speak. Well, yes, that kind of his quint so we cut to the docks where everyone is setting up their fishing boats everyone and their mother mother's dead <laughs> brody's trying to get people to not put nine people on a boat and then we meet my favorite character hooper played by richard dreyfus who two years before this did american graffiti with george lucas uh, who's a good friend of Spielberg, so that makes sense. And then after this, I think two years after this, he did Close Encounters, which I haven't seen yet, but Scott has on his list for me. But yeah, he's my favorite, because he's like the sassy one. <laughs> I like the sassy, sarcastic characters. I can't imagine why that is. But like literally, Brody tells him, oh, help help, get, uh, help me get those fucking idiots off the boat, will ya? They're taking all nine people and two fucking dogs on the boat. When I saw two dogs on the boat chasing after a shark, I'm like, you fucking pieces of shit. Leave the dogs at home. I don't give a shit about you, but, like, leave the dogs at home. They need retrievers. Ugh. Hooper tries to, like, tell these guys, like, hey, you're overloading your boat. And the guys are like, ah, fuck you. We're going to do what we want. And Hooper just goes, you're all going to die. And then leaves. I was like, oh, yes, that's me. And this is kind of where we establish the difference between Quint and Hooper, because this becomes a contentious relationship, apparently on and offset. Quint is supposed to be like our blue-collar, hard-working guy, while Hooper is from the upper crust. His family has a lot of money. He's a highfalutin college boy. <laughs> but there's also, okay, this is the one I think is going to surprise everybody. So there's a, a big difference involving Hooper between the book and the movie. Well, actually, there's two, but one's at the end. The one that takes place in the midst of the book, in like the plot chunkiness. Um, okay, so <laughs> Hooper is apparently, I think, the younger brother of an ex-boyfriend of Ellen Brody's. Oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, they have an affair. Hooper and, uh, and Mrs. Brody? have an affair in the book what what the fuck oh my god and brody like goes after him and like punches him and strangles him or something like you know like they have a whole confrontation 
I think this is all before they go out on the boat and look for the shark. But yeah, Ellen Brody just has a full-on affair with Hooper in the book. What? <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, in the book, like, it's established, I think, early on from what I remember that, like, you know, they're not connecting as much in their marriage. It's not like in the movie. In the movie, Ellen Brody and Chief Brody are like very much in love and they're you know they're drinking in the den and talking about fooling around and it's very lovey-dovey but no not in the book in the book chief brody's a little more like hot-tempered and she's questioning the marriage and then oh this young hot whippersnapper shows up a little hottie with a body and a brain and yeah that happens oh that's very surprising mm-hmm that would have changed the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. I think that really... Because it's, it's essentially kind of just an underlying subplot that kind of... But I think Spielberg probably read that and was just like, oh, it's kind of trashy. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> well, I think if you have that in here, I, I think that takes away from something. Like, there's not really a need for it. I think it would take away a lot of the little comedic scenes between them. I agree. I think it was put in there probably in the book just for like, you know, the the tawdriness of it all, the Fifty Shades of Grey of it all, you know, but it would have hurt the movie, I think, overall for the tone that Spielberg was going for. So the town captures a tiger shark. They hang it up. They're like, we caught it. We got him. Yeah. Hooper's like, no, they didn't. The bite radius is too small, but we could definitely be sure if we cut open its stomach. Which they couldn't do right there on the dock. So. No, because... Uh, a little boy might have fallen out. Yeah, that would have been a slight problem. Yeah, but, I mean, we said it while we were watching the movie. We were like, yeah, no one's suggesting doing it right here, right now. But, like, you know, t- take the shark somewhere else. <laughs> and, you know, like you do with the dead bodies you found on the beach, cut it open, do what you got to do. But for some reason, the mayor's just like, no. I don't want to do that. I want 4th of July. (laughs) Because if they discover it's not the shark, then you got to close the beaches. Right. So essentially he's adopting a see no evil, hear no evil kind of thing. But he's a moron because like, you know, you can't make an income from beach tourism if you're dead. So, (laughs) you know, that's that's a thing possibly. But we must go out at night. Hooper and... After a few drinks. After a few drinks. Well, Brody's drinking. Hooper's not drinking yet. But Brody uh, brings his wine onto Hooper's boat. And like, hey, there's that, that boat over there that's uh, broken down. Let's go investigate it. And we get the nice little jump scare of a head. Probably the most shocking, scariest part of the movie. Yeah, you jumped a little yeah. bit when it happened. I've seen it like so many times I still jump. <laughs> We, we quickly realize that, no, the tiger shark is not the shark we are looking for. We are looking for a great white. Brucey's still out there somewhere, skulking around, <laughs> looking for bare legs to chomp upon. But you know what? We're still going to open the beaches. We still have to have 4th of July. We got news reports going on. Oh, they got the shark. We're okay now, even though, you know, a couple people died, and it's fine. Brody even tells his son, hey, I know everybody's going to the beach. Go to the pond, please. Just just go to the pond. Don't go to the beach. And the son's like, <sighs> What I don't understand is, <laughs> if you know that there's a shark out there, 
whether it be in the pond or the sea or a puddle, why would you fucking tell your kids, just tell them to stay home? Obviously, you've never had kids. Listen, listen here, ma'am. They could be quite annoying. Listen here, ma'am. Okay. Well, let me tell you something. Everybody's going in the water. If it was dangerous, why are they going in? Come on, dad. And then his wife was probably like, Martin, I think you're being ridiculous. Poor, poor Lorraine Gary, who plays Ellen Brody in this movie. She comes off very motherly. That's our connection to Mother's Day in this movie. Lorraine Gary. That's she's right. That one Very liner. maternal. Did you hear your father? Get out of that boat. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was definitely something you would have done back in the day. But my point, as far as, like, making the kids stay home, you would, you know, grit your teeth. And when you were mad, lady, you would, I would be scared of you. Do I do that? No. Well, I do it. And I know I got it from you. I learned it by watching you, mom. <laughs> Another complaint. That's two. Oh, no. (laughs) But, like, for sure, they, like, I don't know. I don't see how he could have, in good conscience, been like, yes, go to the beach, son. Just stay in the pond. That's it. It'll be fine. Meanwhile, the shark goes in the fucking pond, which I don't know how that happens, but okay. Well, followed his (laughs) son. You haven't figured it out yet? Jaws follows the family. Ah, yes. The revenge. (laughs) Yeah, that becomes a thing in the sequels. Like, every shark is after the Brody family. I even think Dennis Quaid is what his son older in the third one. And then in one of the, I haven't seen them, but I've seen like little clips or something here and there. In one of them, don't they say that Chief Brody dies of a heart attack? And then Ellen's like, oh no, it wasn't just a normal heart attack. He was so afraid of the shock. The fear <laughs> killed him. I'm like, okay, we're, we're pushing it now. <laughs> like we're, we're pushing it. Well, he tormented him. That takes a toll on you. Stress. The stress of the shark. Oh, the shark. Uh, but yes, it, we even found it funny because when we get to this beach scene on 4th of July, no one's going in the water at first. But the mayor goes to one of his council buddies and he goes, Why aren't you getting in the water, man? It's like, why don't you take your ugly ass fucking blue pinstripe suit off? And what? I hate his fucking outfits. I've, I'm sure <laughs> they purposely put him in shitty outfits. And what, he won, he had like a mustard yellow suit on. He looked like fucking Richard Dawson hosting Family Feud. The other one is sports jacket had little anchors on it. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was so dumb. It's like, oh, my God. And then he's um, he's telling this guy, like, why don't you get in the water, man? It's fine. And the people are clearly uncomfortable, but they go at anyway and it's like why don't you get your fat ass in the water that guy takes his three children and his wife and goes in the water like seriously (laughs) the wife looks like she's going marching off to death and going in the water (laughs) but they quickly see a shark fin oh my god a shark fin and everybody starts freaking out but it's just two kids playing the prank when the officers or whatever catch them and like they have a gun pointed at them, I would have just edited it. I'm like, you fucking piece. Of- oh, I thought it was the shark. Whoopsie. Uh, d- <laughs> <laughs> Fuck those kids. <laughs> Tormenting people with a fake shark. Shame. Shame. Trouble. <laughs> he told me to do it, man. It's all his idea. <laughs> but we quickly cut to the pond where there is a shark and it quickly kills another man. Wouldn't the pond be like a different type of like is it salt water like wouldn't it kill it uh, it kills fish if you put a saltwater fish in a regular water and vice versa so that's why I was afraid to go in the pool for so long oh because if it got in the pond how come it can't how you know it could come through a filter and come into a pool sure 
<laughs> this is, you know, who framed Roger Rabbit after all? <laughs> Cartoon shark can just I squeeze was through a little hole ten. in the filter. <laughs> I don't think the pond is actually a pond. I think it's meant to be like, oh, it's not as a deep body of water as the ocean. So I think they're connected. But deep enough for the shark to fit. Well, the shark is killing people in like what must be four feet yeah, of water. Yeah. So yes. Yeah, they don't really think too much about the size like logic in here because they're like, this shark is fucking huge. It's the size of 17 skyscrapers. Three it's tons. fucking huge. And then it literally, like you said, it comes up like so close in at least like three, four, five feet of water maybe. And it's like, hmm. Yeah, it, it probably wouldn't have gone into the shallower ends of the beach. It is the movie stuff. They do that all the time. Yes, exactly. Unrealistic things. Indeed. Movie magic, kids. Yes. So, of course, the Brody kids freak out, and one passes out from fear, and he gets taken to the hospital. I thought Brody was going to punch the mayor in the face because the mayor is at the hospital and he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And then Brody just like storms up to him. I I really thought he was going to punch him in the face. And he's like, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to sign this piece of paper. And we're going <laughs> like, to hire okay. Quint. <laughs> Brody gets the mayor to pony up the 10K to hire Quint. But at one point in like their conversation, the mayor just is like so distraught. And, he, and Brody's like, you're not getting reelected. What are you worried about, like, the beach and the people? Well, who cares? And he's like, I brought my kids to that beach. I'm like, yeah, you did, asshole. <laughs> you really did. You're a fucking idiot. But now we have to get our three main characters together on Quint's boat to go shark hunting. This is kind of like a, probably one of the most meaty parts of the movie. You have Chief Brody getting all his gadgets and gizmos together. His slicker, his rubbers, and his... Uh... Don't forget his little baby pistol. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Richard Dreyfuss shows up with the big cage, scientific stuff, and, you know. Yeah, the way they keep mentioning this cage, obviously it's going to get used. And it does in the book, too, but to different effects. But we'll talk about that. They keep mentioning this cage, and Quint's like, what do you think this little thing, this tin so can's going to help you? the cage goes in the water. And you go, you in, go the water. in the cage. Shark's in the water. <laughs> you go in the water. And the shark's in the water. Goodbye. <laughs> Spanish ladies. <laughs> he keeps thinking about Spanish ladies drunkenly. It's very funny. <laughs> but yes, we get our free guys. They go onto the ship. They're constantly chucking chum into the water. They're driving along. You know, they're yelling at each other. They're trying to teach Brody how to tie a knot. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. We're gonna do things all the time together. At one point, my sassy boy Hooper is like going toe to toe with Quint and Quint's just like downing whiskey or something or and he's just or no I think he's downing beer and he's crushing the cans in his hand and like he's so tough. Meanwhile <laughs> Hooper just has like a little plastic cup of water and he drinks it and crushes the little paper cup and I'm like hysterical laughing at sassy bitch. Oh I did love though uh, right before Brody gets on the boat for his thing he's talking to his wife and she goes what do I tell the children? Tell him I'm going fishing. Da, da, da. <laughs> Again, there are a lot of moments here. We do eventually see the shark through a couple things where at once Quint's like he's got a his reel in the water. I'm like, you're not reeling in the shark. Let's, let's stop here. Uh, unless the shark's really small, you're not reeling in this shark. I do like how they made that 
implausible illogical moment very like high intention like you hear like the real like slowly clicking click by click and quince just slowly but surely putting the little straps on and like getting himself set up to hold on to this reel and it's it is kind of a good it's moment. a good scene yeah it is. for a moment that is completely illogical <laughs> but yeah sure <laughs> the other two have no idea what's going what's on and on? he's getting ready he's like we got the shock yeah until brody ties his knife he goes i did it and he goes that's great. Go get, get your ass over here. So we lose the shark at first because the line breaks. And then another moment where we are chumming in the water. Brody's complaining about, you know, why he has to chum the water and Hooper gets to drive the boat. And then the famous line. Yes. Chief, Chief Brody sees it, walks backwards and says, You're going to need a bigger boat. Ha ha ha. But yeah, that's obviously an iconic line. I do love his reaction though when he first sees the shark because so many people when they've seen the shark in this movie just like, oh my God. But Brody's just like totally silent and just stands up straight like, okay. <laughs> and like walks backwards slowly. It's really good. But how did, like, I'm just curious how you felt as a kid watching such a close up of the shark. Like, did you. Did you think it was a real shark or did you know yeah. that it was a real shark? No, I thought it was a real shark. Oh, okay. It's not a real shark? No, it's a robot. It's a big mechanical I don't know where junk. you read that, but... Oh, well, the internet never lies, Mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I also love, too, that, like, that line isn't just, like, a joke. Like, oh, we're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> like, he literally, <laughs> within two seconds, he's like, okay, we should go back. We'll get a bigger boat. Come on, let's go. <laughs> Like, no, for right. real, we need a bigger boat. He says to Quint, so what are we doing? Are we going to get the bigger boat? <laughs> and, of course, Quint is, no, we're fine. We're okay. Uh, we attach a barrel to the shark just so we can be scared of a barrel instead of, you know, have to use the robot constantly. Well, it makes sense. So, like, we can, because the shark goes under the water. So the the thingy, the, the barrel, it floats on top of the water and you so have we can an track idea it. of where it is. Uh, yes. He's not supposed to be able to pull them underwater, which he does. So we get a, a couple of times of us trying to do things to hurt this shark. Doesn't really go well day one. The shark ends up breaking part of the lower deck and uh, flooding the bottom of the boat. The engine kind of breaks down and we kind of float along for a bit. <laughs> and then we get to nightfall where, you know, kill a shark. Let's get drunk. Yes, the iconic drunk male bonding scene <laughs> to end all drunk male bonding scenes. It's a great scene. Let's look at each other's scars. Yes. Um, They're showing all their scars, and Richard Dreyfus shows his chest, and he says that some little girl in fourth grade broke his heart. And then, uh, you know, Chief wants to join in, but he looks down at his appendix scar and is like, nah, I don't think I'll say it. <laughs> I'm not cool like them. <laughs> I'm just a nerdy guy. I got my appendix out. We find out Quint was on the U.S. Indianapolis, which went down in shark-infested waters. And then they sing that song. Yes. Show me the way to go home. tired and I want to go to bed. I had a little drink about an hour ago, and it went right to my head. Yes. This... <laughs> The drunkness is a little distracting because they don't realize the shark is still there, basically attacking. 
what I love about that part though is like it just shows perfectly how like when you're drunk and then something happens you can immediately sober up when something happens like big happens and you're like oh, oh god and then, like, you have to run somewhere like that immediately sobers you up I just like that part it was funny because they went from ah oh, we're drinking and having a fun time to ah shark shark <laughs> <laughs> but we survived the night barely and Brody's like what the hell do we do now you know what let's call the coast guard but Quint's not too keen on that idea and he takes matters into his own hands or a baseball bat into his own hands and breaks the radio <laughs> I, I remember the first time I watched this I thought he was gonna hit Brody yeah just like knock him out <laughs> yeah just like whack this on the head that's annoying <laughs> like this is my kill you son of a bitch but yes that's basically the reason he doesn't want the coast guard to steal his kill and steal his ten thousand dollars finally we're like okay you know what we're gonna go with the cage idea we're gonna stick hooper in the cage put the cage in the water so he basically has a syringe on a long pole and he's supposed to hold on to this pole while this sh- shark is attacking him. Okay. Yeah, my mom was like, why doesn't he put a thing on his wrist? Like, you know, like the Wii remote and just have <laughs> a thing on his wrist attached to the stick. So if he drops it, he doesn't really drop it. Because within like five seconds, of course, my boy Hooper, he drops the damn syringe or whatever. And like, here's the thing. Because in the movie, obviously, Hooper gets in this cage and he stabs the shark a bunch of times, not with the syringe, but just with like a knife and whatever. But like this shark is ripping this cage to shit. And it makes 0.0% sense that Hooper lives through this. But wait, Hooper fucking my, lives. My question is why couldn't they shoot that syringe like they were shooting the guns? At the shark? Right. Why didn't they shoot the nope. syringe? No, it makes mom, it makes too much sense. It. it makes too much sense. You have to do that with a pole. It's so like, stupid. Right in front of the shark. Well, okay, so the plan actually was because they were like the syringe won't penetrate the skin of the shark. It won't penetrate deep enough for the poison or whatever they're injecting to stop the shark. So the plan was for Hooper to inject the shark in its mouth. As it was eating him. So basically, <laughs> he was sacrificing himself. That that was supposed to be the plan. That makes even less sense than <laughs> how he lived through this. It really doesn't make any sense. Also, movie a, magic. Yes, movie magic. Also, okay. a 25-foot shark magically sneaking up on you. Yeah, he's looking one way and then he turns around like oh like like he's like startled by the fucking 500 foot shark or whatever the fuck like what <laughs> how are you surprised by this and he dropped the spear <laughs> he should have had the wee handle on it <laughs> so hooper's cage gets destroyed hooper magically swims away and hides in some coral we don't know that he never says that does he we always watch him swim away and hide in coral no, no, we, we do you not. Just don't see him. You, you don't just know don't if he's see dead him. or alive. No, that's bullshit. No, you no, don't no, know no, if no, he's dead or because alive. He, when no, he no, absolutely not, Scott. Because no, he disappears. No, he disappears. No Carl, with the fuck Scott keeps shaking his head at us like we all didn't watch the same fucking movie. You assume he, he went and hid in the coral. You know that survived. doesn't fucking make he sense. Said they didn't show that. <laughs> they didn't show that because they pull up the Where's fucking Carl. 
Wait, I've <laughs> seen this movie ten times. Yeah. I missed the Carl episode. <laughs> You're full of shit, Scott. <laughs> Scott, Scott, listen to me. There's listen no to me. Carl. <laughs> you think we were the drunk ones on the boat now? So, okay. No, they pull up the fucking cage and there's it's ripped to shit and there's nobody in there. So they assume he's dead. Now, as an audience member, that would have zero impact if we knew he was fucking alive. When he pops up at the end of the movie, we're all like, oh, oh my God, he survived. Somehow it doesn't make sense. But we I don't digress. say, oh, he's come out of the coral. <laughs> yes. Yeah, maybe the Internet says he went hidden some coral, but it's not said in this movie. It's not said, but we watch him swim to the no, bottom. We don't see him you swim see coral at the bottom of the ocean. Coral is like a, a physical thing that you can see. Do you see him f- swimming into the coral? No. You see the shark halfway attacking him, and then it cuts to like them pulling the cage out of the water. You hope that he's alive, but you don't see him swim to what, the coral. What you see happen is the shark attacks the cage, the shark gets stuck in the cage and is writhing around, and that's why the cage arm breaks. We watch him swim down and swim away because the co- the shark is caught in the we cage. We do not. We do. <laughs> you guys are you guys are distracted by the shark and Quint and all of that. But yes, it is a quick moment of him swimming down onto the bottom floor and hiding. I don't remember this. We're gonna have to fact check this. Do you see him hiding behind the coral and looking out? <laughs> with his, with his... Like can't be. It's as if you think that a shark can't see behind a coral. Like the, even if that's true, that he swam away behind the coral with Nemo and Marlin under the sea, as if the shark is like fooled by coral. Like it, like it can't see coral. There was no coral. <laughs> God damn it. Anyway, my original point was it makes no sense that Hooper lives through this. And in the book, he doesn't. He dies in the cage, which is what should have happened in this movie. Yeah, but, you know, they but were buddies, so. I, I mean, I it's guess. happy ending. I guess, that, well, I mean, spoiler alert for this 40-plus-year-old movie, but Quint dies. That's not necessarily a happy ending. I know he's a drunk, but, like, you know, he didn't deserve to die. And that was really gross it was pretty brutal yeah it would have made more sense because they constantly reference this cage and how stupid and dangerous it is so it would have made sense that hooper just died in the cage and then quint dies like you know and then that's it and then brody's the only survivor because brody's our main character but for some reason i guess because they figured two main character deaths was too much so they just had hooper pop up at the end and be like i was hiding it's so coral you know, now that I think of it, you know what would have been a good idea? Is if they put coral all around the cage. And then the shark wouldn't have noticed him and he could have just stuck his thing. <laughs> his diggling? What? Oh, this is broken down. Oh, God. It's all your fault, Scott. You're sitting here talking about some bullshit coral. <laughs> We're trying to talk about Jaws. Hey, hey I, I'm just saying what happened in the movie. You might, might have missed it, but that's I what happened. I was still shot of the Carl. Carl! <laughs> oh, God. The shark, now, after destroying the cage, decides he's going to try and finish off Quint and Brody by destroying the boat. Quint gets eaten. Brody gets into the cabin where the shark pops through, so Brody throws the air canister into his mouth. Yeah, how did we... Because we referenced the air canisters earlier in the movie, but I don't remember why. Do they just have well, air canisters? because they knocked because... him down. 
and Hopper said, you got to be careful with that. Hooper. I'm thinking Stranger Things. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be careful with that because we'll blow up the whole boat. Well, I think it's pressurized there. So it's like Hooper brought a bunch just in case they like needed to go underwater because he brings one with him to go into the cage. And that's how he survived so long hiding in the coral. <laughs> if, if you remember when Chief Brody's going through the book of sharks, there is a picture of a shark with the canister in its mouth. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yes. Oh, okay. That's he's an interesting ver- little tidbit. He's just turning the page, and there's a picture of a shark with a canister in its mouth. Did you pick up on that one, Scott? Like you picked up on the coral? Uh, there was no coral in that picture. <laughs> <laughs> there was enough coral for Hooper to hide behind. <laughs> You're going to die on this coral hill, huh? I will. God damn it. <laughs> we have the movie on DVD. We're going to go home after this, and he's going to show me frame I, I by frame still the fucking coral. Behind the coral, go like this. <laughs> like, speaking out. Like, <laughs> where is that Brucey, Brucey? <laughs> so, Quint's dead. Hooper's hiding. And behind the coral. <laughs> well, God damn it. I'm going to hide. I'm going to be on my hill. Um, and Brody now has to climb to a high location. To avoid himself getting eaten, he starts shooting at the shark and finally lands a shot on the air canister after he gets an epic line. Go ahead, Ma, say it. Smile, you son of a bitch. Brucey blows up. Brucey sinks to the bottom of the ocean. And then Hooper swims up and from is like... From the coral. Yes, from the coral. <laughs> I was hiding in the coral. <laughs> what happened to Quint? Oh, he didn't think to hide in the coral like me. I'm a smart college boy. I know what coral is. Uh. <laughs> so finally, we end on our two surviving main characters going, okay, let's swim back to shore on the wreckage of Quint's ship. The town has saved $10,000. That's yeah. true. We figured that yeah. out at the end. Yeah, you said that at the end, and we were like, ooh, that's so mean. <laughs> like, well, then I'll have to pay him 10 grand now. It's like, ooh. Uh-huh. It's like, once you kill the shark, make sure he gets eaten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, once the shark is dead, just put a bullet in the back of Quint's yeah. head. I came up with the theory. In the sequels, it's always the shark. Not this shark, obviously, because this shark dead. But, you know, we're like, oh, it's the shark's ancestors and they're coming after the Brody family. I came up with a theory that it's not really the shark's kin. It's really just uh, Quint and his spirit possessing the sharks because, you know, he That's, has a special connection with sharks. That sounds a little, a little bit like, you It's know, shark exorcist. <laughs> like the coral. Yeah. It sounds just as plausible <laughs> as the coral, so we'll go with that. I'm not going there. (laughs) Okay. Yes, they swim home, and then we end on a nice beach shot with some happy-go-lucky music because it's okay. Only four or five people died. Yeah, it is very odd that they end the movie on, like, such a serene closing credits vista of the beach and the shore, and it's like, (laughs) so many people were brutally murdered. Goodbye. (laughs) Have a pleasant day. (laughs) Visit Amity Isle whenever you'd like. Fourth well, of July the, picnic. The terror is over now. Mm, but is it? No, it's not really. Yeah. <laughs> and that is Jaws. Yay! Jaws is and will probably always be considered a classic. It is one of those movies that's a lot of fun to watch. Even as you know all the behind-the-scenes stuff and craziness that went on, 
it's still a lot of fun, and it adds to the amazingness that this movie actually happened. Spielberg definitely defied a lot of odds to get this movie made and have the success that he had, which is great. And, you know, we all love Spielberg, even though perhaps some of his more recent movies are just okay. We still have movies like this to fall back upon, so that's always good. Mom, tell us your thoughts after rewatching Jaws for like the probably the 15,000th time. I enjoyed it just as much as I did every other time. It was fun watching it with you guys. Yay! Oh, she likes us, Scott. She really likes us. All right, don't get carried away. <laughs> what a Mother's Day treat this was. Mom, what's your rating out of five stars for Jaws? I have a feeling I already know the answer. I would give it like a four and a half. A four and a half? Okay, I thought you were going to go five for sure. No, four and a half. All right. Any reason you're knocking off half a star? You know, some scenes were unbelievable. <laughs> like like the coral scene, perhaps, that doesn't exist? Okay. I missed that scene. <laughs> I missed it, too. It's so funny. Scott must have like made that up in his brain. 15 times, and I missed it yeah, every you time. Think, you think that someone would have seen it. Scott saw it. <laughs> Scott saw it. I mean, you know, but he's not the most reliable source. Maybe he was busy heating up your leftovers, and he oh, just dreamed that up. He did step away to heat up my leftovers. He did. Perhaps it was during a very important time where Hooper was supposed to be swimming down to the coral <laughs> i don't know scott what is your rating of jaws i have it as a five out of five it's a classic for a reason it is arguably one of the greatest movies of all time the behind the scenes stuff just kind of adds to it all it, this is why spielberg is spielberg uh without this he never would have probably become the director we all know him today all the actors at the time may have not been at their peaks, because I know, but they all work well together. It's just, it's just a lot of fun. It's enjoyable. So my rating of Jaws uh, don't has gone on a real journey. Don't over the years. Here's the thing: it's gonna. Don't. It's I know gonna that I'm not gonna like this. No, well, you won't yeah. like the beginning, but you'll be okay with the end. So, my very first time watching Jaws was as a teen and when i got a letterbox account and rated this movie i rated it a three out of five Ugh. and i was like because it's fine it's it's a shark and it goes chomp chomp and that's the movie and then re-watching it again with you lovely people i decided to bump it up to a three and a half and oh. then now we're, we're getting even crazier guys after i pulled the scott eisenberg you ready for this after sitting here with you lovely people to celebrate Mother's Day with my mother and my husband, I have decided after talking it out to up my rating another half star to a solid four out of five stars. Okay. I can You're live with fucking that. welcome. All right. Okay. So don't you that. judge me, ma'am. Don't curse at your mother on Mother's Day. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> just on Mother's Day. Every other day, you can curse as much as you want. So that was really fun. It was a fun Mother's Day. Mom, happy Mother's Day to you. Thank you very much. So next week, I will be showing Scott a movie, and we will be going a little forward in time from 1975 to uh, the good old year of 1999. Oh, boy. It's going to be a real interesting late 90s, early 2000s time for Scott. And I'm looking forward to it immensely. But until then, this has been Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. I'm Scott Eisenberg. 
I'm Jen Sparks. Oh, yes. Happy Mother's Day to all the mamas out there. And um, <laughs> make sure you check us out. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like that? that was perfect timing. Thank you. I might keep it in. Make sure you check us out at Shoot the Flick on Instagram and Twitter. And check out all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our Coralific. <laughs> <laughs> Sharktastic, not really movie adventure. Da 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 da